Hello, Poke fans. Welcome to the Same Type Attack Bonus Podcast, or Stabcast for short, your twice-monthly look into the deeper worlds of Pokemon. I'm your host, Trainer Spike, and with me, as always, are my fellow trainers, Slykick, Corp Corp, and Sulker. Use Tackle Attack! Today is July 22nd, 2017, and this is Stabcast Episode 20, Reevaluating Pokin. Welcome once again, our lovely and beautiful listeners, to another episode of our venture into the deeper worlds of Pokemon. This week, Trainer Spike, hey, that's me, will be leading a discussion about Pokken and how we feel about it in 2017. But first, let's talk about our Poke Weeks. Sulker, I'd like you to start. Well, I just have oodles and oodles to talk about, like, just so many items this week. Um, okay, well, I played Magikarp Splash more because that's what i do and I, I beat the heel league right before we started this recording so yay me one more league and then i will i don't know uh pokemon go is a thing that i played a little this week but we'll probably talk about pokemon go a little bit more in the news section so that's kind of it for me i think there's gonna be a lot of pokemon go talk today i'm sorry and let's just kick it over to Slagkick, because the news is more interesting than me this week, which is not usually the way it works. Yeah, so uh, I've been getting back into Pokemon Go. Uh, definitely not in a super hardcore way, but, you know, just when I'm out, like, if I'm going to the bank, like, there's a uh, Poke, a couple Pokestops around there, so I'm like, oh, well, you know. So I'm trying to be more mindful about when I'm out somewhere, like, oh, here, you know, there's a Pokestop here, or just checking what's around. Definitely caught a couple new Pokemon. I got a Chinchou. It was a very exciting catch for me because always been one of my favorites. And I got the, um, not the birthday Pikachu, the uh, 20th anniversary Pikachu with Satoshi's hat. So uh, I was really excited to catch that. So, you know, um, still playing very casually. I've never been, like, you know, really a competitive player trying to do the gyms and stuff. So, uh, you know, I just like being able to load up the app and catch all my favorite moms. Otherwise, just keeping up with the anime, and uh, that's about it. How about you, Spike? Excellent. Well, you know, I've had a similarly anemic Poke Week. I did update PokeGo today due to all the PokeGo news we have. Uh, I've been playing some Magikarp Jump, uh, enjoying it. You know, I still think it's a really cute little game. Um... But that's actually kind of it for me. I've been uh, really focused on other as aspects of my gaming life uh, for the last couple of weeks. Definitely looking forward to the next expansions of the Pokemon card game, though. I think that'll be when we start having some really fun uh, Poke Week check-ins. Uh, with all that having been said, though, let's move on to our Muse, or Poke News. Sulker, I'd like you to start you off. I'd like you to start us off. Well, okay. So... As many of you Poke fans out there know, this week uh, the Pokemon Company, in conjunction with Niantic, uh, held the very first Pokemon Go event, and we've all been really excited about this because there's been talk about how legendaries will be unlocked after this, what is to have been a really awesome, really fun time that turned into a shit show beyond anyone's imagining. Uh, so in Chicago at the Grant Park park which is a park in case you missed that it's named after a guy named grant we'll move on from that uh 20, people showed up to this event they paid money they came from all over the world i mean probably more or less this country and then just 
a few people from outside. Uh, and they were all really excited to catch Pokemon if they had, you know, cell phone reception. Because nobody thought to, like, reach out to any of the cell phone companies beforehand and set up some kind of system. What? So yeah, so uh, basically during the fan fest today, nobody was able to really do anything with Pokemon Go. Um, there were points within the event where Niantic representatives were trying to clear things up with uh, any cell phone service uh, to the effect of basically whoever it was that got on stage to like talk to people about this got booed off stage and the boos continued after he left. In fact, I'm pretty sure people were just drinking because booze everywhere is the only way I can see this event not having gone completely to shit. Well, and it's Chicago. Did they get an extra hour in the ball pit? I'm so mad I was going to make a dash con joke. No, no extra hour in the ball pit. Uh, however, the fallout has apparently landed quite a few perks for those who had been in attendance. Uh, everyone who was a registered attendee... Everyone who was a registered attendee got to basically get their money back because of how shitty the day was. Uh, in addition to that, they got $100 in Pokecoins for the game, and wow. everyone present was given a present of Lugia in their account. What? Yep, so they didn't actually get to do the raid battle, they just got to have the first legendary for free. Um, so that's roughly a summary of the things that happened there. Uh, Spike, you looked like you had some stuff to say about this, so let's jump to you. Well, no, it's just, uh, you know, interesting because all of these people got reimbursed for the cost of their $20 entry ticket. Um, they got $100 worth of in-game Poke Coins. They got Lugia added to their, uh, Pokedexes. And... All around that area of Chicago, they basically every Poke Stop, every Poke Gym was upgraded to like a Poke Go Fest Poke Stop and a Poke Go Fest Gym. So a lot of users on various posts or uh, forums all around the internet are, were basically just talking about how basically entire the entirety of downtown Chicago this evening became a Poke Fest. People mobbing every bar and notable artifact in the area, and basically suddenly being like that first week of PokeGo when it launched. So, while this was a major fail of DashCon proportions, uh, to some degree it does sound like things sort of ended well. So I didn't know that Alolan Garbodor had a fire type, because it sounds like this was a dumpster fire. <laughs> but hey, they made the most of it, it sounds like, so... uh it's kind of like when the Grinch stole Christmas, but then they're like, oh, we're still going to celebrate anyway. Neontech, their hearts grew ten sizes too big today, and hopefully they didn't all die of cartery, cartery, some kind cardiac of, arrest? Some kind of arrest. I don't know. I hope there were cops involved. Haha, <laughs> moving on. Oh, I guess that means it's my turn. So we have information about the Shining Lantern Special Collection, Zillow... Zoroark, I can never say that Pokemon's name, Zoroark GX, it is coming to America and Europe on November 3rd, it has a full art Zoroark GX promo, a jumbo version, a foil Zorua promo, five shiny legend booster packs, a Zoroark coin, and a Pokemon trading card game online code card. 
Excellent. What's interesting is that the full art Zoroark GX is going to be removed from the Shining Legend set and placed exclusively with this product. Only the Rainbow Rare will be remaining in the regular set. And this is um, kind of keeping pace with the full art Charizard GX and the Rainbow Rare ho GX from Burning Shadows. So um, it was kind of interesting to see this trend happening of these being pulled from the circulation, so to speak. So Indeed. if you want this Zoroark GX card, uh, sounds like the Shining Legend Special Collection will be the only way to get that. Well, then I will have to buy it. Speaking of Pokemon cards, let's talk about the Burning Shadows uh, set that's uh, coming out. Apparently, there was a spoiler this week uh, kind of outlining the entire card lists that uh, we will now be able to look forward to in this set. Um there is a, going to be a link on our website, so I'm not going to cover the like 40 or 50 cards that are in here. Um, no, you got to do it all, and you got to poke your wrap it. Nope, not happening. Uh, but I will say that there are quite a few uh, interesting GX cards that you might want to check out in here. Uh, there is a new full art Charizard GX card, uh, in addition to a which I think is a new addition to the art that different from what they have in the Japan release. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah, it uh, sounds like that's the one that they uh, took out from the like full set or whatever. Oh yeah, that and Ho Oh I think are going to be in different sets. Right, right. The, yeah, which, the uh, Shining Legends Super Premium Collection will have the Charizard. Yes. Uh, as well as the Charizard GX Premium Collection. Uh, let's see, there's also a Lycanroc Midday Form that's from the Ash vs. Team Rocket deck, uh, which also has some new artwork. Uh, there's some really cool GX cards in here, uh, such as Ho-Oh GX... Uh, a couple of rainbows, uh, Machamp GX, uh, Salazzle GX, a bunch of GX cards. I have to say that I'm excited for this because you know how much I love the GX cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely excited about this story. Well, with your luck, you're going to end up getting them all. I mean, that's probably true between a combination of myself and you. <laughs> We also have uh, really cool news here about the upcoming Pokemon Worlds 2017. Of course, you know, this event is going to be taking place at the Anaheim Convention Center from Friday, August 18th to Sunday, August 20th. Uh, the badge registration is now open. Spectator badges cost $10 for those six and up and include two Pokemon trading card game booster packs. Ooh. Right? Um, if you want to compete, of course, registration for the Anaheim Open is $30 for Masters Division players and $15 for Senior and Junior Division players. Uh, do either of you guys plan on traveling down to Anaheim and uh, participating as spectators or otherwise? I mean, if I was local, that would be, like, if that's not unreasonable cost at all, like $10 to go, but uh, <laughs> I'd be spending more to travel, so... Uh... Unfortunately, I don't think I will make it to that, but uh, it's really cool that this will be happening. No, I'm definitely also not going to be able to go. This whole work thing that takes place every day, it just kind of holds me back from achieving my dreams. Of being the very best like no one ever was. That was the implication, yeah. Um, but at any rate, uh, I want to make a trip to Anaheim in September, so this just really wouldn't work out for me, though I would love to go spectate at this event. 
Uh, I know that they usually put these things online, usually on YouTube. So hopefully we can catch at least some of the action there. Yeah, the good stuff does typically get posted online. So at least we'll have that. Yeah. We'll always have Anaheim. (laughs) All right. Well, we have information about the November set called Crimson Invasion, which are Ultra Beast premium collections. They are going to be the equivalent of the Sun and Moon 4 set, which are the Awakened Hero, or sorry, Awoken Hero, and the Transdimensional Beast, which respectively are Sylvalli GX and Guzzlord GX. It'll have over the um, Crimson Invasion set will have over 110 cards, 8 new Pokemon GX, 9 new trainer cards, 1 special energy card, and it has the debut of the Ultra Beasts, including Guzzlord GX, in Nihiligo GX. And uh, each premium collection will include two promo cards featuring Ultra Beast, Feromosa GX, and Celestia GX, or Buzzwool GX and Zirkitry. <laughs> oh, I finally get it. Zirkit, like Circuitry. That took me a while. Ah! GX. <laughs> I'm like, Zirk? Oh. A foil oversized card featuring either Feromosa GX or Buzzwool GX. An awesome playmat showing off the Ultra Beasts, one of two designs. Eight TCG booster packs, a cool Pokemon coin, a code card for the Pokemon trading card game online. I like how instead of a coin, it's now a cool Pokemon coin. I am going to end up buying so many of these. Yeah, I love the Ultra Beasts. How how do you feel about these, Sulker? I know you're probably uh, one of the bigger fans of the card game that I know. I mean, do you know any other fans of the card game? Personally, <laughs> like Trainer Spike. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I'm excited for more cards because I like not having money and just kind of throwing money at the Pokemon Company. Um, so yeah, you know, I I will look forward to trying to make these all part of my collection. Awesome. But speaking of super premium collections, uh, the Shining Legends Ho-Oh Super Premium Collection will be coming out to us in October, on October 4th, also known as the day where everybody in my life seems to have a birthday. Uh, this will be coming out with a full art Ho-Oh GX promo uh, that paints the rainbow Pokemon in rainbow colors. Oh my gosh. Yes. So it's the rainbow Literally. rare most likely. Uh, it'll have a Ho-Oh figure. Two never-before-seen foil promo cards featuring Shining Lugia and Shining Celebi. A foil promo card featuring Pikachu, ten Shining Legends booster packs, a playmat featuring nine Shining Pokemon, a booklet with the -the behind-the-scenes look at the art of Shining Legends, three collector's boxes to hold everything in with 12 dividers to keep them organized, and a online card game code card. Uh, this entire package will just, you know, be a little bit about, you know, like 80 bucks. So look forward to spending some more money, PokeCard fans. I am absolutely going to buy this. I don't even care. I mean, for the Shining Ho-Oh alone, it just seems worth it. Like, I mean, I wouldn't spend 80 bucks on one card, but that plus everything else just seems to be a win for me. I have to, right? wonder, I have to wonder if uh, October is when we will see a release of the 20th movie... Over here, because like you know, Ho is a very important part of that uh you know first episode of Pokemon, which is the basis for the movie. So uh, he's also a big part of the movie. Spoiler yeah. alert or whatever, but it is what it is. What? And Slykick, I think we have one last piece of news. We do. This is one I'm really excited about. This is a 
Team Skull Pin Collection Box, which is coming October 20th. It will have Salandit, Salazzle GX, Wimpod, and Gullispod. I'm sorry, Gullisapod <laughs> GX. And it will also come with a Team Skull Pin, five booster packs, and a Pokemon trading card game online code card. I feel like at this point, we they always come with that, and we don't even need to say that anymore. No, we're always going to say that, just like a coin. A coin. But uh, I'm really excited about this. You know how much I love Team Skull. I love Salazzle. You might remember I had one on my team. Um, I am definitely picking this up. Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, did either of you have any more news stories before I start digging into this discussion? No, no I think that's it. it. All right. So, you know, we had been joking a few weeks back about how we were going to have to do an in-defensive Pokémon tournament after the amazing Pokémon tournament tournament at E3 this past year. Um, I believe we had even noted on the last episode of the show that we recorded that we had, in fact, revisited Pokémon. We did have a good time with it. And so uh, here we are defending Pokémon tournament. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to talk for a little while about my the process of, of sort of how I responded to Pokémon Tournament initially and sort of how I felt on revisiting it. But you sound like you're someone who's like revisiting a cycle of abuse. Well, it sort of feels that way with Pokémon Tournament. No, that's that's really inappropriate to say. But uh, truly, I, I actually will will acknowledge. I think I was unfairly harsh on Pokémon Tournament upon its release because my expectations were a little bit out of whack. And for me to really talk about why that is, I kind of have to start from the beginning for Pokémon. You know, Pokémon was uh, first teased back in 2013 uh, during the summer, and uh, we actually had like a whole year before the game was even properly announced after it was teased. And, you know, that whole year, we, we got trademarks for the game, filed uh, the name Pokken. We just had, like, that little short clip, which was just, like, th- literally three seconds of 3D Pokemon, like, in a little Pokemon area in full 3D. And all of our minds just imaginations just went wild for like what is this game gonna be we started you know really brainstorming pokken we're looking at sort of who's going to be involved in this as we get more and more little bits of information before it's formally announced uh you know we find out that the uh soul caliber producer is involved and so you know we all really got super hyped for this game if you all remember like we were counting down the days before pokken tournament came out uh, you know, at the 2015 Pokemon World Championships, so, you know, a little bit uh, before most people had really gotten to play it, you know, it had, had done location tests in arcades in Japan. Um, at that point, word of mouth was still mostly positive, and we found out at the Pokemon World Championships that the game was going to be coming to the Wii U. This, of course, sounded like a, like great news. We were all super stoked. Um we ended up finding out, you know, Nintendo and Hori are working together to do a dedicated arcade controller for the Wii U to play Pokémon um, in an arcade authentic way. We all started getting more and more hype that this is going to be like the big competitive Nintendo fighting game that um, a, a really large part of the gaming fan base really has wanted for a long time. Um Of course, the game did eventually release on the Wii U. It released worldwide on March 18th, 2016. I believe all three of us picked the game up on that day. Is that that correct? I mean, as far as my memory goes, yeah, I had it opening day. Uh, Slide kick? 
I actually don't own Pokemon. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And is that because you were over here playing my copy the day it came out? Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you this, Slackkick, and then I'm going to ask you, Sulker. Um, when you played it upon release, it's clear from the way you're responding that you were not into it. So I'd like to ask you now, why didn't it click for you? Uh, what were you expecting? What, what, what didn't it meet? Um, wow. I mean, I guess like what really threw me off was like the 3D like battle. You I mean not like, you know, 3D like in terms of the characters, but, you know, like, the... You mean the 3D gameplay? Yes, the 3D gameplay, and, like, just that you're, like, you know, not... I I was expecting, I guess, more like a traditional Street Fighter type You're expecting a 2D fighter rather than a 3D fighter. Something like that. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to... Because, I mean, like, I'm so used to what Pokémon is now to try to remember, like, what I had thought, except that I was just... I was hyped for it, you know? Okay, and uh, what about you, Sulker? How how did Pokin meet or not meet your expectations, and, and what were those expectations? I don't know that there were any expectations other than I was expecting a fun fighting game. I don't really do fighting games super well or very often, and so I was really excited for when this game was going to come out. What I do recall about that particular day was that I bought my copy, but I was coming over here, and then I got held up by some things, so I couldn't get over here in time. For, like, the same time that you and Slagkick were hanging out, I came a couple hours later. But by the time I'd gotten here, you were both done with it. You, neither of you wanted to play the game. I tried to convince anyone to play with me over the course of the weekend. Not a single person would do it. I went back home, and I was so infuriated. Not infuriated. What's a lesser form of infuriation? Like irritated? Like I was a little higher than irritated. You were salty? I was miffed. I will say miffed is my word. So I I miffedly, milfledly started playing this game and convinced myself that it was a good enough game to play because nobody else was playing it in my friend group. And then I started hearing just Spike talking negatively about it, and then all of social media was talking negatively about it. I had fun with it, but playing it by yourself in the league pl- battle-like mode is boring and repetitive. So I stopped playing it. And that's the T. Well, so... I gotta what? feel bad now. I mean, I I, I guess uh, I was pretty selfish. Well, so... And, you know, I will say, uh, certainly by the way that that story reads... It does make it sound like we bagged on Pokin and no one else did, and that we're, um, you know, uh, sort of... I didn't say all that. The internet was also bagging okay. on it. Okay, I was going like, to say... Like, no, 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 no. Like, they also contributed to this. I was going to say, because um, Amusement Fan- Fantasista, which is one of the largest uh, video arcades in Kurashiki, Japan actually removed all of their Pokin tournament machines like three months after they got them because they were not making money. We may have even talked about that, if not on this show, then on Game Boy. Um, And, you know, uh, one of the writers in Destructoid actually noted something that I think Sulker and I noted while we were in Japan. Uh, In the arcade version of Pokin Tournament, if you don't have a Bana Pass to save your, your... uh, data, you basically have to replay that game's incredibly sluggish tutorial every time you play. Ooh. So you'll end up paying, you know, 100 yen, like a buck, and end up playing the game for like 30 minutes, which like, it sounds cool, 
but like 28 of those minutes are doing that god awful tutorial. That's a real bad. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the Pokémon tournament actually, uh, it the initial responses from most people, I even think from us, were that, oh, you know, the gameplay's all right. It just needs to be refined a bit. It needs to be sharpened up. Maybe Pokémon Two is going to be where it's at. It, this is a base that they can build on, but it's just not there. Um, so something that's interesting that did happen internationally, of course, as we've discussed here on the show, is that over time they did patch and uh, add in. They did patch the game, make tweaks, and add new Pokemon to the game. Uh, you know, they ended up adding uh, Croagunk, Empoleon, Darkrai, uh, Scizor, and, you know, uh, with these things that, and the game getting patched... Um, it actually started to resemble a game that I think people were able to play a little more seriously. I know that uh, I had noted when I played it in Japanese arcades, my first time playing the patched version with more Pokemon, I actually had a pretty all right time with it. Uh, Psychic, I know that you didn't have that experience, but Sulker, you did. Um, when you played it in Japanese arcades, playing a newer revision, d- did it feel any better? Did it work any better for you? I mean, yes, but I was just over it by the time I was done with that tutorial. Like, I did not want to be playing it anymore. We were at a Pokemon Center. I wanted to be shopping for Pokemon. I didn't want to be standing there for functionally, like, the like over half of the time that I was there just trying to play this game. So I basically walked away by the time, like, the first match was over. And you're like, wait, come back. There, there's another. Oh, he's gone. Is he coming back? No, oh, oh, I'm alone in Japan now. Sulker? <laughs> Sulker! That's almost exactly how it happened. Actually, Spike is Skyping in from Japan. You just didn't realize that. He's still there. I was literally messaging on Facebook Messenger like, hey, where did you go? You there's had still, the Wi-Fi in your pocket. still another game going. So, all right, but... Um, you know, and I, I do want to note that while we and most of the world were bagging on Pokin pretty hard, it does need to be said that by April 2016, Pokin Tournament had actually in the United States caught up and outsold Street Fighter V in terms of life-to-date sales. Um, it did oh, wow. not take very long for it to cross the 1 million sold mark. Um, you know, it was nominated for Best Fighting Game at the Game Awards 2016, so... While most gamers I know were really not into Pokémon Tournament, I think all of us for various reasons, um, it was still in the larger sense. Well, you say children, but children aren't the ones nominating games at the Game Awards. You know, it actually was, I think, even at the time, appreciated for some of its more forward-thinking ideas. Um, one of the ideas that this game does that I didn't really like at the time, but have come to appreciate in more recent visits to it is that you know the game has the field phase and that's the more 3d fighter aspect where the the game plays a little closer to something like a power stone meets soul caliber uh the pokemon are moving freely around the arena in three dimensions you're trying to sort of uh pick at your your opponent's health bar and eventually it enters what's called the dual phase where you then uh, are on the 2d plane similar to what a uh, sidekick had been expecting in the first place right. uh where you know each move is sort of relative to the other character uh you end up with more traditional fighting game inputs in that mode for me though this uh 
this phase switching was actually something that I really struggled with and didn't care for. Now, I kind of know, um, having seen how high-level play works, it sort of changed my perspective. What I, what I initially viewed as like a nuisance became like, okay, the field phase is really about setting up uh, your positioning. It's about, you know, getting in any buffs from like backup pokies if you have them. Uh, really about you know, getting in some extra extra credit damage before entering that dual phase where, for me, is where the real heat comes up. Um, I'd like to ask you guys, and Sulker, we started with you, so next we'll start with Sidekick. Um, what were your feelings on the field and dual phase mechanic? Yeah, like, I mean, that was what I, I felt like when I played it, because, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've never been that good at fighting games, and I've talked about this many times, uh, you know, especially on Game Boy, but, uh, it just, I, like, the flow of it just didn't make sense to me. And so I think that was part of the reason why I was just like, I just, I can't do this. It's like, it just does not make sense. It seemed like at the time, it was like trying to be two different fighting games at once or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, and that's actually very similar to how I felt back then. It was sort of felt like, oh, they just had too many ideas, so they just threw them all in. And it, it felt like it was without purpose, even though now I actually see it as... as very purposeful but i didn't mean to cut you off oh no no that was it oh well then let me talk about it because you know i don't shut up um so i really liked the field phase that was actually probably more what i liked about it because 2d's back and forth i'm not good at that like i'm good at like wandering around and like aimlessly firing off attacks and just kind of hoping that they kind of hit and it was more in line with what I was expecting out of a game named after Tekken. So that I just I kind of liked that phase better. Plus, like I really liked being able to use support Pokemon, just because like oh look here comes out an Eevee and it's giving me a little boost and it's all so cute. Now I'm gonna fuck something in the face with my Pokemon. Whoa! It's so funny because you say that and the way you're talking about the field phase, I'm like oh so you're a Suicune player? Uh <laughs> no, Chandelure. That's actually yes. another good field phase uh, Pokemon. I, I actually think Suicune and Chandelure are probably like the two best field phase Pokemon. That's debatable. But those are my thoughts. That's what I liked and didn't like. So you can like it or not. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, you know, another thing uh, that I actually did really like about Pokémon, even upon release, was the selection of Pokemon. I actually thought that it, there was a really diverse set I think the the one Pokemon I was a little iffy on pre-release that upon playing it I fell in absolute love with was Pikachu, Pikachu Libre. Libre. Uh, because, you know, it's like, okay, how many Pikachu are we really going to need in this game? We already got one. But Pikachu Libre, great addition to the cast. Um, did you guys have any particular Pokemon that were in the game, that weren't in the game, that you wished were in the game? Uh, and I want to start with Sulker here. Um, ones that were in the game that I really liked, uh, Charizard, Chandelure, Pikachu Libre, um, didn't really like Braxian, didn't really care for Mewtwo, who else was in it? Yeah, I didn't like any of the technical ones, let's just say that, I didn't like any of the technical characters. Okay. But, but what I would have liked was, obviously, if instead of a Suicune, we had an Arcanine that was, like, some kind of, like special or attack type like that would have been my ideal but that's because i'm basic and only like the same thing since i was a child mm -hmm. so that's my thoughts how about you slag well i was the first i'm gonna be like first of all how dare you because i love suicune but i'm like oh wait 
this is literally the same reason that you want Arcanine in the game. Uh, I was really happy to see Suicune, but, like, you know, um, it's interesting that you're like, oh, well, Suicune's a better, like, field Pokemon, because, like, I mean, like, at the time I was just like, oh, I don't know how to use Suicune, this is weird. And, uh, I like Gengar a lot, like, for the same reason, like, Suicune, like, Gengar's always been one of my favorites, but, uh... Like, the ones that I, like, I feel like the ones that I wanted to use at the time, like, I don't know, like, I don't think I ever, um, at the time connected with any of them. Maybe, That's fair. Maybe Weavile, who I, 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 I do have to say I appreciated the, um, selection, like, that, you know, like, Weavile, for example, you know, we, Weavile's not, like, a A-rank Pokemon that you see featured all the time, so I thought it was cool to see some kind of left-of-center choices. Yeah. Spike, what do you think about your own question? Oh, you know, usually I ask these questions, I just don't answer them myself. Uh, I really like Pikachu Libre. Uh, Gengar, of course, was a fave. Um, I love the pick of Lucario, but especially in the, you know, in the game first released, I did not really care for how Lucario played. Um, I did like Braxian, though. I, I liked the way Braxian played a lot. Um, and funny enough, you know, uh, my feelings on Lucario and my feelings on the game in general really changed a lot. And I think the real turning point, as we talked about here on the show, was with the uh, Switch announcement of Pokémon Tournament DX. And then, you know, we got a Pokémon Tournament DX tournament at E3, which saying that is nearly as fun as talking about a Xbox One X Xbox. What are you going to do with your Xbox One Xbox Box One Box? Put an Xbox One X on it. So, <laughs> or you could you could store Pokemon Amiibo in it. Hey, yeah, maybe if we were to get some more Pokemon Amiibo, I'd be down for that. But um, you know, at this tournament, this was really where for me uh, the game clicked. And you know, Sidekick had asked me, and he may have even asked me on the air, but he definitely also asked me off air. Um, sort of what at that tournament changed my perspective on Pokémon. Um, you know, I was talking about how the way they played it made the game make more sense to me. And I've really sort of zeroed in on that for this episode and, and gotten to a place where I think I can put it in words, and that is they put the field phase to use using traditional um, fighting game tactics, uh, stuff like trap setting, zoning, um, you know, working bread and butter combos in. And I sort of started to realize that although the game has this really weird pace, this really weird flow, uh, it actually is a meticulously designed and balanced game, even if Suicune, in my opinion, is maybe a little too strong. Uh, but for the most part, it, it actually is a fighting game that's like as, as well-tuned as any other. <laughs> it just has this weird flow and this weird pace, which, rather than looking at that as a negative, um, once you really sort of embrace it and start looking at how you can play in that mode and how you can play with these options and choices, I actually think it becomes a really interesting and tactical game. And, uh, Sulker, I know that you have played Pokémon Tournament with me after watching this tournament. Um, I want to know, has your feelings on playing Pokémon changed? Did you uh, experience a similar uh, change in perspective on Pokémon Tournament? Yes, someone actually played the game with me. It was crazy. Um, but, I mean, like, it, like, understanding it more from watching it at E3 did definitely help, like, oh, like, I know how to move around the field a little bit faster, how to make my attacks land a little bit better, but, like, I still... 
I still feel the same way I felt about it on launch day in that I really liked it. I just needed people to play it with. And hopefully when the DX version comes out, all of the people on the Switch will play it. And I'll get to play it with them, especially since I'll get to play it with Decidueye. So yes. I get my baby burb. So I'm happy about that. He's all grown up. Excellent. Okay, well, and you know, I, I will say, uh, I'm going to say this on air. It's going to be recorded. You'll have it forever. I was wrong, and you were right about Pokemon oh, Tournament. I mean, could you just say it one more time? Because I need to readjust my pants now. I was wrong. You were right on Pokemon Tournament. I'm just going to edit out the last bit and just play that over and over again to get me through the days at work. <laughs> That's fair. I probably deserve that. Uh, and, you know, you talk about playing Pokemon Tournament DX. I will say I already have it pre-ordered. I uh, I didn't even pre-order Splatoon 2, but I pre-ordered Pokemon Tournament. On a side note, I pre-ordered Splatoon 2, and then I purchased another copy, which I promptly returned because I forgot I did my pre-order. <laughs> well, <laughs> Slaggy, you're sort of the odd duck in the room in most hey. ways, but also in Sci this way duck. in particular. You're not helping your case, buddy. So let me ask you, uh, are you planning on giving Pokemon Tournament another chance? And the sort of sub-question of that, you've watched Sulker and I play this game more recently. I think I've actually ultimately put more uh, time into Pokemon Tournament after this uh, E3 tournament than I had put into it that whole first year of it existing. Uh, so let, let's ask you, Slaggy, uh, question one, has your opinion of Pokemon Tournament changed? Step two... Are you going to give it a go on Switch? Uh, I'm going to answer in a the reverse order. Uh, I, I definitely oh. will give it a go on Switch. Um, I have not had a chance to really put in time with it since post E3, but um, I did watch you two play a lot. You two played a lot, and what really? Well, you can't help it when they put it on your iPhone. <laughs> ah, <laughs> well done. Um, but the thing that I really found, because like you know. I think maybe before watching people play and maybe just, you know, because I remember the, the time that I probably spent watching it being played the most was at a uh, gaming party that we had been at. And n no judgment against the people, but uh, people had not played it before. So I don't think people really knew how to play it. And I mean, that's so kind they of... played it as much as you had at that point. Right. And so it wasn't really exciting to watch, I guess, people trying to figure out how to play this game. But um what I really found, like, as you two were getting more and more understanding of the tactics, it felt like watching um, anime battles, like, from the Pokemon anime. And that's something that, like, you know, Pokemon Stadium never could recreate. That's something that even, you know, like, the Game Boy and, well, you know, the mainline games could never recreate. It, like, it looked like, you know, watching, like, oh, Charizard's coming down. And using the seismic toss or whatever, I mean, I don't know what exact, you know, moves, but I mean, like, the battles, like, are a lot of fun to watch when you understand, like, when you're watching people play it who, you know, know how to play it, I guess. So, uh, that was really the selling point for me. And I would love if, um, you know, eventually they do a Pokken 2, you know, not just DX, if they do, a, like, an actual Pokken 2, if they did it with, like, a, you know, cell shading, like, um, Cyber Connect 2 sort of style of cell shading, and it like basically looked like the Pokemon anime. That would be really dope. Yeah. Cell shading. How everyone in Dragon Ball Z starts off the Cell Saga. <laughs> ah. 
So I, I want to wrap this up now, but I, I just want to build on something Slaggy said. Um, for me, the value of Pokémon Tournament, now that I appreciate Pokémon Tournament, really is that you know it, it does play as if you're doing a battle from the Pokémon anime. It's something that I think is very unique within the fighting game world. And I think for me, that preconceived notion of, of what I thought it would and should be is what really prevented me from connecting with it. Once I appreciated it on its own merit and really explored how much, how many interesting things you can do with the tools the game gives you, which is really, you know, the bread and butter of any fighting game. Um, that's when it really clicked for me and when I really had a blast. If you're listening to this show and you're someone who typically shits on Pokémon Tournament like I do, um, honestly, I really strongly recommend you give it another chance. Try to go back in with a, an open mind. Uh, for the love of God, skip that tutorial. <laughs> and, you know, just just try to give it a go and, and really think about it as a fighting game in both phases and, and really try to think about how you can use that field phase to your advantage. I think that the game actually has a lot more value than most of us assigned it, and I'm actually really glad it's getting a second chance now. Oh boy, a second chance at life. My last thought, Amiibo for Pokken that give you alternate costumes. Like, I want Pikachu Libre in some kind of like sparkly tutu, if I can get that. Or maybe maybe I want Albino Charizard from Smash Brothers. Maybe maybe or I want shinies. to maybe I want to also be able to accessorize them like I'm taking them to a pageant in game and I want like my Lucario to be wearing like a little bandana or like a festive flower. Maybe maybe she because I've decided she maybe she's got little little ribbons around her wrists. Um That would look so good. Th- I'm sorry saying, soccer, but uh... I, and hold on. Wait, wait. Wait, Nebby bag. Give everybody the Nebby bag. You know, and it's funny because you say that um, Tekken 7, which recently released uh, for other consoles, not the Switch, but everything else basically, has a very in-depth customization mode. Uh, You can do all kinds of really cool stuff as far as customizing your character, giving them, you know, all these different custom, like, pants and hairstyles and accessories. And now that you've said that, I'm just like, okay, you have similar designers and staff working on these games. You've got to be able to bring some of those ideas over. Last question. Your Suicune, does it wear pants like this or like this? Ah! (laughs) So, Sucker, I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, they are going to do, they probably will do Pokemon Amiibo, but it'll be a 3DS title, and it'll be like, um, my Pokemon contest. That's fine. That's exactly what I'm asking for. Nintendo, no. you listen to this podcast. I know you do. Just do no, it. No, I thought you meant that you want that as a mode in uh, Pokemon. It's just I mean, be... yes, that's that's also what I'm asking for. I want but you customization okay with, like, of Pokemon no matter where. A person can ask for two things. You would be okay with Pokemon Dress Up 3DS? Unless they're on death row and it's their last meal, in which case you can really only ask once. I suppose. Anyways, I'm getting silly. All right. Well, with that in mind, why don't you tell us about some anime? Well, speaking of silly, we had some silly episodes this week, starting with getting the band back together or shocking a Doug Trio split up. So this involves Satoshi and his classmates going to see DJ Leo, who is a well-known Alolan DJ who forms the pop sensation Doug Leo with a group of Alolan Doug Trio, Jessica, Ashley, and Michael. Those are their names. Um, 
So basically, um, a little Alolan Diglett is a super fan and ends up um, running away with uh, Rotom Dex's um, detective, Alolan detective wig because it wants to be a member of Doug Leo. But basically, um, the Doug Trio end up having kind of a Destiny's Child moment trying to decide who's the Beyonce, who's the Kelly, and who's the Michelle. And um, in this ruckus, uh, Team Rocket ends up swooping in and uh, taking them away with the promise of a record deal, which is basically just Meowth being the center of attention. Uh, So then, you know, Satoshi and company uh, end up going in to save the day. I thought this was a really funny episode. There are a lot of great visual gags. Um, I love that, like, at first, Cocky didn't want to go at all, but then he's basically like, that is that was the most moving experience I've ever seen. Uh, there's just a lot of great visual gags um, that I think only with this new style and, like, the fluidity of the animation allow it to uh, ha- kind of have fun with, uh, you know, more of the visual gags. You know, and I want to really bring super special attention to the fact that everyone who went to the... I'm sorry, what was the name of the group again? Doug Leo. Doug Leo, okay. Everyone who went to the Doug Leo performance um, basically wore wigs to look like a Lolan Doug Trio. And that includes all the Pokemon that went. And yes. They were all so adorable. Like, holy moly, Pikachu wearing the little Alolan I Doug like Trio wig. with his little... Iwanko. Um, just all of them looked so freaking cute. Don't forget the background arc. Or Growlithe and Electabuzz. They yes. also had very cute wigs. Yeah, Unclockable. There was also a really great gag about um, Team Rocket running a wig stand at the, the show. Um, they were yes. not selling the right kinds of wigs, and that was a great source of humor. And all of the wigs that they were selling were hairstyles of other characters in the Pokemon universe. So I thought that was a really great self-referential gag that also just highlighted that Team Rocket is inept AF. Yep. What about you, Sulker? What What did you love about this one? One, they were not trying to be Beyonce... Kelly and the other one. They were trying to be Hanson. That's exactly who they were. That's what they were doing. And they're just as relevant today as they were back in the day. So that's not at all. But did the oldest one become kind of hot then? Because that happened to Hanson. I mean, I don't know. You tell me which Doug Trio you want to Doug Trio. Michael. Of course you would. Uh, Actually, Jessica was my favorite. One one thing that nobody talked about that I think is probably the most important point of this episode, and I'm this is going to be the only thing I really have to say about this episode, DJ Leo had a sand floor in his house. He is living the height of, of culture. He is everything. He is why... This is why he's famous. He knows what he wants to do, and he knows what he wants, and he loves his Pokemon enough to like make their dreams come true so I they can all that- live together. So those are my thoughts. That was this episode. I just hope that giant Sandy gas doesn't come back. And that was this episode. <laughs> that giant Sandy gas doesn't come that back. That was in. this episode. All right. Well, I'm going to take a cue and move on to Alolan Open House, episode 24, or Alola, the first visitor's day. So Ash is trying to prepare a presentation about the differences between Alolan Pokemon and the Pokemon that he has, you know, become familiar with. But he's really struggling and... Uh, Rotom Dex is like, oh, look at all these research 
blah, 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 blah. And they end up getting a visitor, which is Satoshi's mom, who comes with her husband. Mama. It comes with her husband, um, Mr. Mime. And. Ew. Oh, come on. You all know it. Um, and so she ends up really bonding with Ash's new Pokemon. And she calls um, Litten Yabi Chan and ends up like petting him the whole time. And he loves it, by the by. Mm-hmm. At first, he's like not here for it, but then he's like purring and being super cute. Um, so then, basically, um, Satoshi gives his presentation, but then it turns out that um, Rotom had gotten voice sampling technology when he was at DJ Leo's house. So he was uh, pretending to, and so Ash was basically doing spoken word lip sync, like in the style of lip synca. And, like, Rotom like, kind of malfunctioned because he was talking too fast. Anyways, um, at the end, we find Team Skull has made an appearance, and they're trying to cause some ruckus, but uh, Satoshi's mom is like, Litten, go! <laughs> so uh, they end up scaring away Team Skull with some Z-moves. Uh, Sulker, how did you feel about this episode? So, complex feelings, because, you know what, like... I really, like, try to, like, think about alternative relationships in a very positive light. And you know what? If Mr. Mime and Mrs. Mime slash Satoshi's mom are enjoying their lives in an authentic way that makes them happy, who are you? Who you are that... you to talk about them and their love with an ew? No. Their love is pure. As, it's, like, as pure as the barrier that he makes that they can see through and that he uses as a dental dam for her. <laughs> do you think that she goes by Delia Mime Ketchum or Delia Ketchum Mime? I think she just likes to catch him. I don't know about anything Whoa. else. I think that's just what she Mime likes. Mime Jr.'s on the way. But regardless, I think that she is an excellent trainer. She's probably better than her son because you know what? Probably. She she lived through her childhood. He did not. He's still a child. But... She's like, okay, Nyabi, go. Scratch attack. I know we just met today and that technically I'm not your owner, but we have a bond and this is how you do. And she serves it. Yeah, I was kind of hyped to see Asha's mom uh, do a battle. Like, she's going to actually be the Pokemon League champion. How do you feel, uh, Spike? Honestly, um, so this episode made me a little uncomfortable because there was a lot of um, weirdness involving the fact that Mr. Mime was literally there by her side every minute in his fancy clothes. Dental dam. Fancy clothes for him, by the by. Um, I will say, you know, there was a lot of Litten being adorable in this episode, and that is, for me, like a sure win. Um, I loved that uh, we got to see Ash do his Z move. I will note, you know, Ash is trying not to do his presentation. He tries to cheat through it using... Uh, whatever the hell that Pokédex is, Rotom Dex is called. Um, and, you know, he ends up having to do his presentation himself. And at the end, everyone's like, oh, aren't you glad you did your presentation? It went great. And I'm like, that's the dumbest effing presentation I've ever seen. Like, you should fail him. So I wasn't that impressed by his presentation. Oh, didn't you love when Kukui was like, that was a nasty plot. That I liked. I do wonder if that, was, that, that fun was word play is going to carry over to the dub or not, but definitely the sub that we were watching included that gag, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, that was Samson Oak level. All right, uh, unless anyone else has anything to say about this week's anime episodes, I'm going to toss it over to Sulker for our Pokemon of the Week. This week, our Pokemon of the Week is 
Magikarp, or Koiking, uh, which is a water-type Pokemon introduced in Generation 1. It evolves into Gyarados at level 20 or beyond if you, for whatever reason, mash B. Um, Magikarp is a medium-sized fish Pokemon with large, heavy, reddish-orange scales. It has a large, well, multiple large, vacant eyes and pink lips. Its pectoral and tail fins are white, but has but it has a stiff three-peaked fin on its back and stomach that are both yellow. It also has long barbels? Barrels? What, what is that word? Barbels. Balls. <laughs> Sorry. Barbels. Are white on the female and tan on the male. Uh, a long-lived Magikarp is able to utilize its immense splashing power to leap high enough to scale mountains. It has, also has a strong enough immune system to survive in most polluted waters. However, it is usually overlooked by trainers because of its perceived weaknesses. Uh, even in the heat of battle, it will do nothing but flop around. Uh, it is not a very strong swimmer, and uh, currents in the water will sweep it downstream uh, without really letting it move, kind of like Goldeen uh, in that one episode that we like to reference. I just want to note that barbells are those adorable, like, whiskers that koi grow. They're like little, like, skin flaps that look like whiskers. Oh, a little mustache. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I th- actually, I think they're adorable. Like, that's probably my favorite part of a fish. Continue. Um, it is normally seen using... Its former signature move, Splash, to leap out of the water, which makes them easy targets for predators such as Pidgeotto. Uh, It is believed that the ancestors of Magikarp were actually much more stronger than the modern-day Magikarp, uh, and this led scientists to research the species. Magikarp is found in many bodies of water. 7.8 out of 10, too much water. uh, Such as lakes, (laughs) rivers, and ponds. However, due to its weak swimming ability, it usually lives downstream of the water flow. Uh, the major anime appearances, some of you may remember, James's Magikarp, which debuted in Battle Aboard the Saint Anne, yes. where James buys his Magikarp from a salesman. Uh, it evolves into Gyarados in the next episode after James abandons it. Boo. Aww. Magikarp Salesman Magikarp. Several episodes, the first one being in the battle that I just mentioned, uh, involved a particular salesman trying to sell certain Pokemon, aka Magikarp, to people. Uh, the person he is usually trying to sell it to is James, and he usually gets mag- that Magikarp sold to him. There are minor appearances of it in like almost literally every episode, including the first episode, Pokemon I Choose You, um, Bulbasaur in the Hidden Village, Bulbasaur the Ambassador, um, and the band episode, The Legend of Minryu. And that is the episode, not the Pokemon Seizure episode, but that was the one that was banned because it involved poaching in the Safari Zone, and the poachers were aiming IRL-like guns at Satoshi and friends, which was not okay for basically anywhere that isn't Japan. Yep. Um, the entry we'll read today about Magikarp is the gold, po- gold and silver, but the gold specifically, Pokedex entry. Uh, an underpowered, pathetic Pokemon... It may jump high on rare occasions, but never more than seven feet. Wrong. Sorry, Pokedex, wrong, because Magikarp Jump exists, and that is actual canon now, so it can jump super high, hundreds of meters into the air. Uh, Fact. Factoids. Uh, Like, that's all I gotta say about it. 
Let's go ahead and see if there's any link cables this week. Slykick? Uh, nope, slow week on the social media, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I Y'all just disappointing say... me with your unwillingness to talk about Pokken. <laughs> or Magikarp. Um, I, well, I will say that um, I love the um, Magikarp song. I'm like, the weak Pokemon, it's you, Magikarp. The Magikarp song, you know? I know like exactly. attracts like. I know hey. exactly what you're talking about, but I, I feel like I should pretend I don't. Sulker, I can't jump anywhere near seven feet. I'm not anything like... I'd be surprised if you could get off the ground under your own power. Well... What? At least Me we got too. This I don't episode. jump. <laughs> At least we got this episode off the ground. And as always, we do love your feedback. We love your iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play ratings, reviews, subscriptions, all that thing... We like your Facebook likes. We effing love Twitter. We love Tumblr. And you can email us at mail at stabcast.org. Mail at stabcast.org. Wow, that was like two-thirds of a duck trio. All right, uh, time for some shout-outs. Spike? Uh, of course, I'd like to point you in the direction of the Voice of Geeks Network over at vognetwork.com. Uh, where you can hear such shows as gamebuoy.org, where Slagkick and I... Uh, Talk twice monthly. We are your left-of-center port of call for gaming news and views that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be. You should also check out the Ranger Pridecast, where myself and Shane Olenko talk about the current season of the Power Rangers meta-series, as well as the current season of the Super Sentai meta-series upon which it's based. Slaggy, what about you? I'd like to shout out to the currently off-season Renewed is Fundamental, the podcast for myself. Spike, Dalvin from the Video Game Realness Podcast, and Rob Roberts from the Orange Lounge Radio Podcast serve tea and dish on everything RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, speaking of Orange Lounge Radio, that is OLR, Orange Lounge Radio, on the Voice of Geeks Network, vognetwork.com. Live on Sunday nights, where every gamer has a voice on who to whom we basically own our, owe our podcasting existence. They've been on the air for 15 plus years now, um, and just we admire everything they do. I'd also like to direct you to the sister show to Game Buoy that Spike and I do, which is Anime Buoy, your port of call for anime recommendations that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be Sulker. It's super effective, PKMN Cast, a Pokemon website for news and reviews that explore the ins and outs of the Pokemon franchise, covering the games, anime, and beyond all this in a weekly podcast. I'd also like to start a new shout-out to Very Random Encounter, or VRE Cast, a podcast taking, uh, where GM Whitewing from Mythical Mazes and Magikarp uh, is now working with a group of unlikely heroes uh, in what turns out to be a very random encounter each week or each season, they will create a new game with uh, a randomized system, randomized characters, and random everything. Uh, I recommend that you check them out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, that is actually all of my shoutouts this week. I believe we have music slide kick. We have music. It's great. Uh, contrary to what you may think, our music was not fun. Done by Doug Leo, but it is um, a great cover of Professor Sycamore's theme done by Nathan Sharp. You probably know him better as Nate Wants to Battle. Uh, you know, he, clearly with the name like that, a huge Pokemon fan. Uh, Nate does all sorts of great anime covers and game covers and parodies and like the actual best um, fan dubs of like, not fan dubs, but like. English language version covers of anime themes. 
that you have ever heard. So uh, go support him, like him, subscribe on YouTube. He's got stuff over on iTunes. And, uh, yeah. All right, Poke fans. with all that having been said, it has been a real pleasure bringing this episode to you, this lovely Saturday night. But it is just about time for bed for those of us here in the Pokemon school. So I'm going to let you go for another week We're going to be like two. a little Kamala. But until we're back at you, I would like it if you could keep catching. Or Snorlax. Keep, keep catching. catching. Keep training. Keep, keep training. training. And, uh, Shogeki. Dagutorio Kai-san. Koi-king. Splash attack. Oh, nothing happened. Alola? Alola! Alola!